Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. People our age, whenever it comes to voting demographics, uh, incredibly leftist. Um, uh, to a point where young voters for the first time in a long time were what pushed a lot of left Democrat candidates over the edge, especially whenever it comes to Fetterman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he crushed it with people in their 20s and 30s. Well, you know, um, and that's to, big. Kind of to his credit, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, it's almost going to sound stupid when I say this, but like the way that he dressed and the way that he acted and the way that he spoke, even though like, you know, he, he was clearly like this trust fund baby who was just an avid fucking socialist and he wasn't any kind of hard, you know, steel mill worker. He kind of had that look to him almost. And to most people like me, that means something. Now, once again, I knew that's a, that's a fucking charade. But to other people who don't know any better, they look at that and say, wow, he represents me. And they looked at Oz and said, he doesn't represent me. So they don't know anything about policy. So like, oh, well, this guy, you know, seems like he represents me. So I'll vote for Fetterman, even though he can't fucking string a sentence together. Um, he, he looks like, you know, my uncle that works at a steel mill that got laid off and has diabetes. <laughs> what is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 155. And return to the show, I think, for the fourth or fifth time, Taylor Shiring. Um, how you doing, dude? doing great brother uh as always good to talk to you yeah dude well i'm uh, happy to have you here um (laughs) i've um with the midterms coming up and i want to talk to you about this in particular um and noticing how disappointing the libertarian party did and how it seemed like there was no cohesiveness and just the shit show that now is the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Sometimes I find myself saying, man, Taylor was uh, more and more correct the more and more I fucking think about it. <laughs> yeah, before we get into this, let me let me pop open this 40 real quick because it's going to be an entertaining <laughs> street. <sighs> yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, uh, but honestly, dude. I mean, hey, uh, to be fair, because of the disappointing result from especially from the pennsylvania gop um the you know dr oz mastriano whoever um i mean if if anything i would say that that the results backed your case 
a little more than before, mm -hmm. but I can see how you would think that just because of the Libertarian Party being the Libertarian Party in terms of now it's more organized than ever, but it still seems chaotic. It still seems like an unserious party. And I'm not, I'm not really, I'm really not trying to take shots at anybody. It's just not, it's not an unserious party. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a serious party. Right. And I, I mean, and the, and that's just the way it is. And it's unfortunate because like I've said a million times, I like a lot of the people in there. I would love to vote for those people. I just don't think that that party is set up for success by any means and maybe it will be at some point i am just incredibly skeptical i mean i i go back to the 90s i i look at i look at what rothbard thought of the party and and, and with the mises caucus takeover i like the political strategy more now but maybe not the entire party structure mm -hmm. any more than ever um maybe it doesn't have such a problem with egalitarians anymore as 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 rothbard said but i mean unless they're you know I'm, I'm sure there are a bunch of members who still are but but are kind of falling in line with the mises caucus strategy which is good i mean uh, uh, showing the true power of bending a party to your will by just saying hey if you're not with us you're against us we're going to try and get you out is a good strategy for taking over a party as we right saw. but but the, the the question is what did that ultimately achieve and, and the sad part was for our case here in pennsylvania um our governor candidate didn't even run a campaign and i had the governor candidate and the uh, senate candidate who's up against fetterman and oz on the show both and like matt and eric they're both good dudes but like the matt didn't run a campaign Eric ran a campaign, but he was only marginally better than the other two candidates. Like, look, if you're going to be running as a libertarian candidate, then I expect you to be like solid on everything. Like, I shouldn't have to be surprised. Your your take on China and Iran shouldn't be the same as Candace Owens, right? And it literally was. So, like, I, well, I'm not going to vote for you. And then when it came to the PA, the PA GOP, I kind of came around to Mastriano towards the end there because I heard him on Timcast. And I figured, okay, as a Republican, yeah, like his real fucking proud military history and like this brazen neocon stuff, I'm not really big on. But when he started talking about economic stuff and fracking and his ideas for the economy, it was beautiful. I absolutely loved it. So that was a part that really I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, actually I'm not as pessimistic about him winning as I once was because, like I said, economically, very, very good. Um but like Dr. Oz, like this, um, I was listening to, I think his name's Dan McCarthy. He was on a Tom Woods show and he was speaking about the kind of disappointing um, performance by the GOP. And he had mentioned that Trump's endorsements sometimes end up being friends of his rather than actually good candidates. So like, um, I'll throw it back to you here in a second, but like Kathy Barnett, who I had issues with her foreign policy, but everything else, she was fantastic. Why did she not get the nod? Because I think she resonated with voters a lot more. And I, I hate to play the race card, but she was a black woman and she was very well-spoken and she had this populist energy about her. Nothing about Oz was like, he was a lizard person, right? So how can you expect GOP voters to get motivated to vote for this guy when you had literally like a populist style candidate, but we gave the nod to Oz? Well, the thing was that Fetterman... Uh is a left-wing populist candidate that's what he's that's what he's been and for the 
the fact that Trump didn't recognize that they this movement of right wing populism um, would serve what he wants more than just putting up his friends and being like, hey, he's a good guy. You got to like this guy. And then he's the most milk toast. I mean, well-spoken guy. I mean, uh, it, oh, yeah. it's on the debate. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the Oz, the Oz Fetterman debate, he smoked them. I mean, but it, it's not that hard. Veteran can't, <laughs> Fetterman can't talk. And he never has been. And when people, uh, the one, uh, a little side note here. When people say he had a stroke, he's struggling, blah, blah, blah. Dude can never talk. He's always been just a leftist ignoramus, mm-hmm. which because he's such a, died in the wool economic leftist people think that he's a smart guy because they equate left-wing economics left-wing policies with intelligence because of universities whatever media right. and and he's just not a smart person he's not an impressive person and as somebody who i i think i agree with tucker carlson when i whenever i say i'm not really a populist i'm willing to use populism but i'm really an elitist i just want better elites, or as Jeff Dice <laughs> says, I just want impressive elites mm-hmm. over these bums and morons that we always have in on the left and the right. I mean, I, I am by I am by no means impressed with pretty much anybody that the right ran, except for Blake Masters and uh, Blake Masters. So um, that, that's pretty much it. Um, and as somebody who doesn't, in, I didn't endorse everything that he said, but he was way better than anybody else right. in the entire GOP on anything. Um, Mastriano was an entertaining candidate. He was a very uh, tough guy, right wing. We're going to shove it back in the left's face kind of guy. Obviously, I voted for him. I would skip to the polls to vote for him again. But that's a guy who lost the white vote. When was the last time a GOP candidate lost the white vote in Pennsylvania? Wow. Uh, I actually didn't know that. I, I don't know. Um, so that's a concern. And that's where, I mean, I uh, I was I was laughing. Um, Haley and I showed up to the Wyndham Hotel. Uh, I forget. I was going to yell to her and ask what hotel we stayed at, but I don't want to yell in the mu- which one, the Wyndham in Pittsburgh. Okay, so we stayed at the Wyndham one weekend because we were just going to drink all weekend and hang out. We didn't feel like driving home. We had like ten things to do. We showed up at the hotel. It was the the DeSantis Mastriano event, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, oh, I was like, <laughs> that was today. Yeah, and we're rolling in at like three o'clock, right as it's going on. There's counter protesters everywhere. I'm yelling, get a job across the street. Um, (laughs) And then there were all these people. And I was like, wow, this is actually a really big event. There were a ton of people there, mostly boomers, not a lot of young people. But I think that's also something to note a little because, I mean, it was not a lot of young people that came out from Mastriano Mm -hmm. because I feel that although he was a very Trumpian populist, very hard right guy, um, he didn't channel the energy that the real right populists need. Blake mm-hmm. Masters was far closer. Yeah, well, Mastriano. like when it came to Blake and Mastriano, like I'm pretty sure they would line up on a lot of the issues other than like maybe the interventionism. But honestly, um, Mastriano just didn't seem relatable to like younger people because he's this older dude. Like 
my dad, I'm sure would, I'm I'm 100% sure. In fact, I would bet my entire next paycheck and every paycheck after that, that he voted for him. And I honestly, I don't blame him at all, but um, like he's relatable to like our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation. And like, like I said, I like See, a lot of his I'm not stuff. sure because my, uh, I mean, not to name drop my dad or even diss him, mm-hmm. uh, You're good. Yeah, you froze. Oh, yeah, you yeah. froze. Um, okay. uh, uh, Mastriano, people like my dad who voted GOP most of their life, but kind of got turned off by this Trumpian moment. I'm not sure. It's very weird. And maybe I am a little biased because my dad went from kind of voting Republican all the time to kind of turned off by the, the hard right populism, which was weird because he, he liked Ron Paul, but mm-hmm. I think he just it's weird to gauge that sort of interest right but i know the young right our age is very in tune with that sort of uh right-wing populist mm-hmm. shove it down the left's throat oh, yeah. we can we can talk about because i can guarantee that most 20 something right-wingers in this state especially would hate doug mastriano's thoughts on on foreign policy Mm -hmm. um they're just not as uh, our generation just is not as hawkish and that's that's a fact Mm -hmm. and um uh, whether that's a winning or losing point in elections i'm skeptical i'm skeptical of but also it's something to note Mm -hmm. uh so it, it is really interesting because when i showed up to that hotel to check in and i'm just like oh yeah i'm going to a pirate game i'm gonna i'm gonna get you know fucked up all weekend it's gonna be great and then uh my friend my friend josh uh he he texted me and he said hey are you at the event and i was like actually i am not on purpose i forgot it was here <laughs> and he was like well let me know how it goes and i I was like well there's a bunch of counter protesters and a bunch of people yelling at the counter protesters and there's a bunch of buses so there was some good energy there i don't know if it was because of the money that was thrown against Mastriano, because they were saying, oh, he's on Gab. There's Nazis there or something. (laughs) (laughs) He's on social media. Cancel him. (laughs) He's on Gab. And, 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 you know, he markets to to white supremacists. And it's just like, uh, and I'm just like, oh, uh, when is this tactic going to lose? And it never will. Uh, uh, Like, like it will never lose its steam because people are so scared, uh, especially just, middle-class whites are so scared to be viewed as as anything other than incredibly progressive on the racial issue Mm -hmm. which is just funny to me because it's just like i i know i i know how you actually feel your virtue signaling at the voting booth which is sad it's just sad that you've been pushed that far into just the most universal like leftist university just they don't even realize how left they've gone on all these cultural issues because they just don't want to be inconvenienced with the thought that they could they could get in trouble for anything right. that they think but it's not anything that they believe publicly it's just at the voting booth which is honestly impressive from mm-hmm. the the democrat side because they've they push people to think that if they don't vote a certain way that they that they want to bring back segregation or some shit like that 
I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Um, but it's something that they've been, uh, they've just been punished into into believing. Mm -hmm. Um, especially people, my parents age and people in their late thirties and anything after that, um, people who probably voted for George W. Bush just get beaten and vote straight Democrat now, which I mean, neocons being Trotskyites and leftists already. And mm -hmm. then uh, the, all that can feed into it. I'm just talking about real electoral realism here whenever it comes to, uh, just how the things have turned, but I do also have some hope that people our age whether it be lp or gop will change the right-wing landscape for years to come and i think although masters lost that's a, that's a type of candidate who understands geopolitics but doesn't give in to hawkish talking points mm -hmm. but will kind of be able to balance the anti-war with the hey we don't exactly have to be friendly with everybody who kind of mm -hmm. doesn't believe anything that we believe in i think that's an angle that a lot of people could go with because although i'm incredibly obviously sympathetic to the the boss yet idea of trade doesn't you know if trade doesn't happen then soldiers if trade doesn't cross borders then soldiers cross will borders, yeah yeah i i mean obviously that's that's a 98% of the time a true statement or even a hundred. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to ignore geopolitics. It doesn't mean that you have to be naive about these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And that's where, uh, though Bishop's been very good on this, where you can, you, you don't have to be an overtly signaling anti-war person all the time, whenever it comes to sometimes these countries are bad mm -hmm. and you can just say they're bad without you know maybe maybe other countries do you know i work in cyber i work in cyber insurance now i know that other countries hit our stuff but it doesn't mean that we have to shoot at them or, or bomb them it's just it's just recognizing that nobody's going to be a lot of people aren't going to be your friends especially with american intervention interventionist foreign policy which is not exactly uh friendly with anybody who's not in nato and some people who are in nato um yeah. but uh, i i mean it's just it's a very complex issue uh, whenever it comes to foreign policy and elections in general, especially for people who are ANCAPs, uh, Libertarians, uh, Rothbardians, whatever you uh, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, it is it's just really interesting, and I I don't know what's happened to me in the past couple months where I've just been trying to because I've been I, I've been I've been a hoppy and rothbardian since i was 19 years old it's been or 18 
it's been it's been 11 years now my birthday is actually at midnight so it's been a long time <laughs> nice um yeah but uh but it's just i don't know where it's coming from where i'm trying to not just be uh, a paleo guy where it's just like i just chill for the gop all the time which is never what i did but it was just it was just where i was trying to be more politically realist and try and talk to people in the lp who who talk like me that you know six years ago because they just got into this i don't know i'm not trying to sun anybody either that's just how it sounds um but I don't know. I'm having some sort of like third or fourth awakening whenever it comes to that. I, I mean, my ethics have ne- uh, my ne- ethics won't change. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still a Rothbardian. Still, I still call myself a Hoppy, and I still am a Libertarian. Um, I I I don't think I ever won't be because um, I'm so convinced of the ethics. I've been really diving into philosophy and everything else, which is just yeah. further convincing me. Uh, I've been reading a ton of ton of Kant actually, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, that me and uh, Emo Hoppy and slash Joe Britton, guy who ships out for the Mises Institute. Nice. Um, my boy, uh, we've been we've been diving more into just regular philosophy instead of the political stuff, um, and that's just further convinced me of libertarian ethics, which is nice because uh, sometimes you can get a little bit of jolt there and be like, okay, ugh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you, you're but, saying uh, um, you, you're kind of what I'm gathering from what you're putting down here, and I think I'm kind of <laughs> coming to a similar place, is that um, you're kind of coming to the realization that um, maybe activism within the Republican Party may be the only way to truly change things. And I, I hate that that has to be it. But once again, you know, it, in as Pete always says, you can't live in an cap stand in your head. Um, you know, I would love to engage politics as being the loudest, most vulgar, principled, disciplined libertarian, because um, anybody who knows me, I'm an incredibly disciplined person, and I'm willing to work harder than anybody else when it comes to achieving what I want to achieve. But um, there's a certain degree of measuredness that needs to be taken when you approach politics as it is not as you want it to be and this is still something i battle with a lot i mean i'm sure everybody sees my wars with everybody on twitter but um hopefully at least i've been the kind of person to always kind of say hey this is where i'm wrong and i listen to people i don't i never ever insult people just because i'd like to believe that i'm above that and that most people are worthy of respect now there's a certain point where i'll you know yeah when they're learning yeah (laughs) I'm normally pretty cool, but anyways, that's kind of like a long, ungrounded way to say that um, I almost don't see the Libertarian Party having a point other than just to spread a message that's loud and libertarian. But if you want to get elected, then I really do think it has to be through the Republican Party, and that's going to require a little bit more of fine-tuning in your approach rather than the Libertarian Party where you could just say, fuck it. And there's, there's a time and place for both. Right, right, a hundred percent. Yeah, if you want to talk, I mean, anybody who wants to talk politics with me, I talk to. I barely talk about politics anymore. I barely. I mean, if you, if anybody follows me on Twitter, which you should, t underscore shiring. Um, I, I, I've been talking about walleye fishing for the past like three months because that's all I've done. <laughs> um, and it, it like it just walleye fishing and football and and whatever. Uh, I, because I, although none of my positions have changed. I just, I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on with me right now, but yeah, being a political realist 
is something that took me a while because everyone wants to sound like the most, especially especially libertarians, want to sound like the most you know smart person in the room, the most libertarian person in the room because they think uh, because whenever you're first becoming libertarian, you want to be the most versed or, or you know the uh, better on ethics or you want to be better on philosophy or you want to be better on econ which uh, good you should be but whenever you start to deal with uh real life and real real political strategy and real real politics not saying as, as somebody who's not really involved in local politics as of yet um, I, I I remember m me and uh, Brandon talking with you the last time we were on Harnish, uh, where I want to get my house in order before I want to talk about getting anybody else's house in order. Right. Um, but still, whenever whenever you start to really grasp with, okay, there are some true believers around in whatever ideology there are. I mean, the Republican Party was run by Straussians for a while. If anybody wants to really understand what the Republican Party is and was for a majority of the time, uh, read Leo Strauss. Uh, I'm not going to get in-depth into what that is, but uh, look into it. And also read The Permanent Revolution by uh, Trotsky. That will also help understand neoconservatism and Straussians also uh, are a big part of that. But there are true believers in parties. But do they sound like, do they call themselves Tr Trotskyites? Do they call themselves Strauss Straussians? Neocons don't even know that they're Trotskyites, which is, well, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of that. But um, Straussians, I mean, they, they're, they're through and through believers, but they will, they'll never talk about that. They don't, they don't call themselves anything other than, I'm a conservative. Mm -hmm. I'm a conservative, Republican. That's that's what they call themselves. And uh, I mean, that's something that libertarians can learn. I know that's ranting a little bit. I haven't talked about politics in a little while, so I'm, no, I'm a little bit, little bit ranty at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, when libertarians realize you don't have to call yourself whatever your whatever your ethical political positions are, just be a be a normal guy mm -hmm. uh, and you can you can steer people. I've said it a million times on all of these things. You can steer people in the right direction if you know how to talk to them. Right. And that's a real skill. Becoming a salesman for liberty, not becoming an advocate, not becoming a, 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 a philosopher. Be a salesman for whatever you think. And however you think that that might work, try it out. You're going to fail. Just like I, I work in sales. So now I just apply it to a lot of things. Um, but uh Apply the standards of a salesperson to whatever ideology you advocate for, and you'll be much better than somebody who looks at themselves as a voice for liberty or an advocate for liberty. It's such a, it's such a, just a gross thing to call yourself, I think, uh, where it's just like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm going to go to every protest or, uh, dude, uh, people just look at you like a loser. They're just going to say, get a job, like I do with, with commie protesters in Mastriano events. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, like, uh, this this idea that you have to just 
get your voice heard. It, it's it's all bullshit. It's just nine. It's bullshit. And, and I I hate to say it because advocacy does have its place. But if you really want to make a difference, unless you have a giant mass movement that all of a sudden is just like, yeah, I'm a private property rights anarcho capitalist. I love Rothbard. I read the Ethics of Liberty yesterday. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Right. So you're going to have to push people in a direction that they don't even know that they're going, mm -hmm. which my point about Trotsky and, and Strauss earlier is exactly what I mean. Those people don't even know what they're advocating for. What? Like most uh, people apply those standards to the yeah. left where it's like they think that they're just being good people mm -hmm. and they're taking they're taking stuff right out of Lenin and they right. have no idea. And, and that's the thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how we fix this, but it, it, it you got to start learning from the left. In well, terms so of one thing that I also kind of notice about the midterms, um, people are going to debate fraud up and down in every single election. And I'm sure there is. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think there's that significant of a degree. But no. what I think is notable is that the red areas got more red and the blue areas got more blue. And that's because... And this is something you were touching on earlier is the idea of elites, right? And this is something that I don't hear libertarians talk about very much at all. Like I've heard Dave Smith mention it a couple of times on his episodes, but like the post-libertarians, some of the paleo guys kind of mention it. And this is something that I think everybody should listen and kind of learn from. When you think about Donald Trump, he is an elite, right? And same deal with Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, I mean, he's a fucking Ivy League graduate JAG officer. Um, but the thing is, you can see that they know how to read a room, you know, they're just elite people, you know, these kind of people, um, you know, the kind of people who can kind of lead a room. So they're the kind of people that libertarians and younger people who are looking to get into politics need to aspire to be. And it's not like you just are that, you know, this is something that needs to be worked towards. Now, some people are obviously going to be a little bit more genetically gifted to be in that, you know, be that kind of person. But, um, you know, I think that's kind of where people need to focus. Um, they need to find their local elites or focus on becoming their own elites and building networks with people to kind of lead these revolutions, if you will, right? Because it's not going to be you get Dr. Oz, who clearly is just, you know, a snake oil salesman. The to... most artificial of elites. Right, uh, right. If you want an example of an artificial elite, Dr. Yeah. Oz is exactly that. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and like Donald Trump is a, an example of a natural elite. Like this, you could tell by the way he is he's sharp, he's intelligent, and he knows how he knows how to read the room and he knows how to speak very well. Now, you know, obviously as of lately, it seems like he's lost his touch a little bit, but you could still tell like he has for a long time been somebody that's been on the top. There's something to learn about that. And I think a lot of people, and this is something I hate about libertarians, is just that just the party association alone will make them re. Like, I don't care if you were once a Republican. I don't care if you were once a Democrat. Um, as long as you understand what the goal is, and what the principles are, that's kind of what matters. And as long as you're advocating and working towards that, then, okay, we have common ground. Let's, let's move from there. And I think, I think you touched on something that I, that I have noted a ton of lately. Mm -hmm. People confusing libertarian ethics and libertarian philosophy with libertarian political advocacy which is just the lp mm -hmm. um when people say oh i'm a, i'm an ancap i'm a rothbardian but i vote republican because i believe in trade-offs i mean this is a we, we were supposed to like austrian economics right we talk about we talk about 
you know, trade-offs, marginal utility, all that sort of thing. What's the cost later? What's the, what, what is it? What's the price now? I mean, all that stuff. Um, and the confusion there is really, really confusing for me because I've been such a theory head all the time mm -hmm. where I've never confused libertarian party advocacy for being a libertarian. Mm -hmm. It's it's very, very confusing for me, but not in a way where not in a way where I'm like, oh, this is outrageous. It's just, have you guys not read anything? <laughs> like not, not one thing. <laughs> like you just decided one day that uh, I'm a libertarian because I want to be different. And then you don't know what that means. I mean, what what Rothbard started the uh, Rothbard started the party to advocate for libertarian ethics on the party scene in realistic American politics. He left because he realized it was a fucking joke, but that was why the party was founded. It wasn't founded to be uh, just a third choice. It's advocacy of ethical and moral principles. It's not, it's not just a wishy, wishy-washy. Uh, we like, we, uh, we like free markets, I guess, even though there's a, a bunch of people in the libertarian party that are, you know, leftists by all means. Um, well, some of them are uh, open socialists. <laughs> open social, yeah, but they're libertarian socialists, mm -hmm. which is uh, 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 obviously if you go by the old, the old term, uh, well, the old use of the term, which came from the left, it was just essentially left wing anarchists, which, you know, Rothbard learned from Benjamin Tucker, but he also, Benjamin Tucker hated capitalism, which, Rothbard saw uh, private property as the only real, real ethical standard against the state that could actually hold up mm -hmm. and and also uh, a priori true. Um, so it, it's just, you have people like, who's Chase Oliver or whatever? What's his, what's his name? Dude that, dude that ran, I don't in, know. In Georgia, I, I, yeah, I, Chase Oliver. Yeah, yeah, Chase Oliver. He's a public choice libertarian. What does that mean? Public choice I, economics uh, 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 with libertarianism. Uh, all that means is he's not a libertarian. He's not. Uh, he but did have his pronouns it, it, in his bio at one point. Uh, what? I mean, the leftism, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, and somebody who's so headstrong on keeping the term as pure as it is, mm -hmm. I get a hell of a battle to fight. Because uh, people call themselves libertarians that uh, don't even know who Rothbard is. Mm -hmm. And that's insane. I, I mean, the guy who created the, the new libertarian movement, they don't know who Rothbard is. And they, they don't care. They just, they wanted to be different. And they thought that they were, they liked uh, the, the gay marriage before everybody else. Okay, cool. Do you know anything about what libertarianism is? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Mises Caucus really brought the philosophy back into the party which is something that i admire but still you got to be effective i mean yeah. you just got to be effective i mean it's it's all it's it's a very strange thing for me as somebody like i said who is a huge theory head but has to break out of that whenever it comes to politics and realize what what the what the room is actually like in terms of 
all aspects of of electoral politics and especially local um which is obviously where libertarians would be the most effective because it's the most consistent with their with their philosophy as well um yeah i don't know man i i still have a lot to learn i i i mean i'm confident in what i believe but i i am not so confident in what we have to do next uh, yeah. i don't really believe in unity by any means um i think that word's a joke by uh, by uh, by most measures um but still how can we i guess if there is any we in terms of actual libertarians apply our principles real principles not the fake ones chase oliver you're not a you know libertarian you're public <laughs> choices that has nothing to do with libertarian um but uh how can we our the you know as a group figure this shit out i don't know uh, i mean there are a lot of a lot smarter people than me that have jobs in politics that that think about this stuff all day yeah but it's something that i really care about and it's something that i think could be really helpful in the future for my children your children whatever um and, and it's something i take very seriously but it just seems like people just want to be a part of the game and not actually take it seriously, which right. is very yeah, so, frustrating. So one thing that uh, I mentioned you earlier, I was listening to Tom Woods with uh, Dan McCarthy, and they were discussing the midterms. And um, one thing that appealed to a lot of Republicans probably about Blake Masters with that was that he was a younger candidate. And there's really there, – there's not a lot, a lot of young people in politics, period. Like Ron DeSantis is in his 40s, right? I want to say like mid forties and then Blake masters in like, I want to say early to maybe mid thirties, possibly late thirties. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, you know, you look all across the country and there's like no younger people. And it kind of begs the question, like what is our generation's, you know, presidents and leaders going to look like? I, I don't know. Cause we've been raised on completely different values than obviously all of they, you know, all of them were, um, you know, I'm sure you had a good relationship with your grandfather. I did sort of, and I know what his values were. I know what my dad's values are. And then like the way that we were kind of raised and, you know, the way that school worked for us and everything, it was just, our lives were so much different than the last two generations. So, um, when it comes to future, the future generations, um, politics is like an old person's game right now. But what's going to happen when we're the old people? I, <laughs> I don't know. But I think that more younger people need to enter the game to kind of win over some more votes. Because literally, if you look at the numbers, it's like a third of the country doesn't fucking vote. Or actually, I think it's like half. Yeah, and and honestly, as somebody who is a pretty big critic of democracy as a whole. I don't mind that half of the country doesn't vote, um, but <laughs> but also the statistics pointing to where young people are going, people people our age. I, how old are you again? 26, 27? I just turned 28, actually, uh, beginning of the month. Okay, I turn 29 tomorrow, so. Okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but people our age, whenever it comes to voting demographics, uh, incredibly leftist, um, uh, to a point where Young voters for the first time in a long time were what pushed a lot of left Democrat candidates over the edge, especially whenever it comes to Fetterman. Mm -hmm. 
uh, he crushed it with people in their 20s and 30s. Well, you know, um, and that's big. Kind of, kind of to his credit, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, it's almost going to sound stupid when I say this, but like the way that he dressed and the way that he acted and the way that he spoke, even though like, you know, he, he was clearly like this trust fund baby who was just an avid fucking socialist and he wasn't any kind of hard, you know, steel mill worker. He kind of had that look to him almost. And to most people like me, that means something. Now, once again, I knew that's a, that's a fucking charade, but to other people who don't know any better, they look at that and say, wow, he represents me. And they looked at Oz and said, he doesn't represent me. So they don't know anything about policy. So I go, well, this guy, you know, seems like he represents me. So I'll vote for Fetterman, even though he can't fucking string a sentence together. Um, he, he looks like, you know, my uncle that works at a steel mill that got laid off and has diabetes. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, even coconut, and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, I don't know if it was more the former or the latter. I don't know if people related to Fetterman more mm. or if they just could not relate to Oz at all. It had, I mean, um, it, I, it, that's, it's tough because it definitely has to be a combination of both, but which, which scale, you know, which side of the scale is heavier? I don't know. I mean, what a, a brilliant advert, uh, like political advertising campaign was, was Fetterman having all those commercials with like an old Yenzer lady that was like, I voted Republican my whole life. Mm. But John Fetterman's from wherever he's from. And we haven't had a senator for Western PA for a long time. Yeah. I'm here for John Fetterman. Like, it's, it's just the most dumb <laughs> of all time. She had and the pierogies like, in the oven. <laughs> he's from here. I'm voting for Fetterman. <laughs> Dr. Oz is from New Jersey. Who cares about Jersey? Like it's it's unbelievable. It was such yeah. an effective act. Like I almost thought I was like I should vote for Fetterman. <laughs> He's from here. <laughs> like, right. It's like, like the worst Yinzer tendencies yeah. just kicked in, and I was like, you know what? That was actually a brilliant political ad because <laughs> Doctor Oz it has nothing to do with people here. Yeah, he's on. He's just on TV. He he, he pedals. You know whatever substances he wants to mm -hmm. and it tells people they're gay or whatever i don't know i haven't watched their show i haven't watched the show since i was probably <laughs> six years old right um but but uh, i mean it's uh, that was a brilliant political ad mm -hmm. because people genuinely just didn't relate to the guy mm -hmm. and although fetterman is like a six eight 
uh, you know, moron. They they saw him wearing the Carhartt shit. They saw him wearing the gym shorts mm-hmm. and the sneakers. And they're like, okay, this guy's like me because every uh, I'm wearing gym shorts and a hoodie and a hat right now. Like, is right. It, that's how we dress. And it was, I mean, although he looked like a complete oaf and not somebody who I could even relate to even remotely politically, um, there's something to be said there. And maybe young people who normally would would have sat at home came out and voted. And also, unfortunately, something we have to bring up whenever it comes to the midterms is the Roe versus Wade shit. Yes. And while the Supreme Court doesn't really have to do anything with elections, uh, which is shows how fucking stupid people are whenever it comes to legal standards or what a Supreme Court is. Do people yeah. think they're voted in democratically? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know what anybody thinks anymore half yeah. the time. But uh, although, you know, presidents appoint them, but I mean, this is, that, that's, you know, a chance in hell somebody retires or dies. Um Trump just got lucky, to be honest. He got what? Mm-hmm. He got two. I think uh, no. I think but, he got three. Barrett, um, then, Kavanaugh, and uh, I can't remember who else. I could have swore it was three. Anyway, sorry to. Yeah, I did two or three, whatever. Yeah, but uh, but people people were just like, no, like abortions are right, so we have to vote somebody in, uh, somebody in that'll codify it into American law, other than uh, a Supreme Court ruling, right. which is probably how it should have been done in the first place because the supreme court ruling was so legally egregious that it was easy to overturn mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even that hard uh just be, uh, the, the the language used and i mean anybody that knows anything about legal theory or law just saw how much of a facade it was to make to make something that weak a a federal standard so uh, as somebody who loves decentralization and 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 loves that people accept their own standards community wise uh i think this striking down of roe versus wade is a positive for the entire country because mm-hmm. local politics will start to determine that and although dr Roz said i think abortions up to you your doctor and your local politician i don't think that was the best optics but i think it was the best way to say it at the time i guess I don't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the, he ran. I didn't. Um, <laughs> but the the fact that the outrage that that happened after that happened is, I think, more indicative of where Americans, young and old, are at politically. So. I'm glad you brought this up because this was actually, and I'm going to sound a little dumb here, but it was kind of a surprise to me that it was as big of a deal as it was because, like, you guys understand California will never make abortion illegal. Like, blue states will never illegalize abortion. That shit will be legal as long as people demand it. And look, I'm pro-life as it gets. Um, I do believe conce- or birth begins at conception, and I do believe that you're responsible for taken you know between when when you go between somebody's legs sorry um but a lot of people it really is ingrained in people's minds and this is why i don't think we should persecute doctors or women for having abortions just because people don't know people think that hey 
this is my body, my choice. So you're taking this away from me. And this is such a clever thing that the left has done because women are the largest voting block in America. And also, they also hold um, two thirds of student debt. So when you have Biden who gave, you know, $10,000 back in student loans, and then who is saying that, oh, we're going to keep Roe versus Wade and all this, that, and then you tell women that their bodily autonomy is on the ballot that's going to get a whole fuck ton of women out there to vote. And it's not to say that women are dumb and can't think for themselves, but like the, the cultural aspect of <laughs> we this. We don't want to get problematic here, do we? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, but the cultural part of this is that women, a lot of women do think that this is violating their bodily autonomy. Like you literally hear some leftists saying forced births. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, you got that's fucked a... and then you had a kid. That's not a forced birth. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's a uh... cultural thing. Right. And a hundred percent, I agree. And as, as somebody who I, I guess I'm more agnostic on the issue than, than, than you are mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of uh, the rights issue. I, I, I mean, I, I tell people all the time that I'm pro-life, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, it's just, it's just, I'm not as hardline as others. Sure. Um, especially when I, whenever it comes to, I, I mean, I, I borrow from Rothbard, I borrow from Hoppe more than pretty much anybody else. And they are both, pretty agnostic on the issue mm-hmm. i would say rothbard was definitely a, a legitimate pro choicer and hop is kind of like eh, you know i pretty much agree with rothbard here um but still like you said they believe our well, belief is a kind of rough term here because most of these people don't really believe anything they just go with the tide right. um but this was painted as a legitimate libertarian-esque rights issue mm-hmm. where they're like this is my body this is my bodily autonomy this is my choice mm-hmm. and that i laugh all the time whenever people say that to me i was like okay are you an ancap or do you just not take this seriously any other time um but uh and then they'll just be like uh, well i mean this is a rights issue man and i'm just like okay you want to talk about rights well we'll have a real discussion about rights um but yeah i mean they went to the uh, it's looking like this where a lot of especially younger women went to the ballot box and voted for anybody with a d by their name because they're genuinely terrified that one of their so-called rights is being taken away right um and this is a obviously a very divisive issue Mm -hmm. and some people believe it's a right some people think it's murder and that's i'm a very agnostic on the issue in general i lean towards it being something that is probably just taking a long life but uh, i i just i stay away from the issue in general which is funny because i don't stay away from most issues um but uh but still i mean they showed up it's just a pure analysis seems like they showed up at the ballot box to show the political right in america that this is not going to go away and they'll do whatever they whatever they need to do to codify this and to make it permanent. Is that possibly wicked? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a real problem for anybody who would even diver, diverge from that opinion even a little bit. Um, so I, I love the the centralization idea. Uh, I had a long discussion with my family and my girl about it um, a couple of weeks ago. Where I was just like, why wouldn't it just be better if people got to decide? 
Right. <laughs> it just, I, I mean, I, I, I was like, I thought everybody in this room loved democracy. Uh, apparently, I'm the guy who's talking about uh, how good democracy is here. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it would be a far better and less divisive issue if people would just have to travel a little bit. All right. uh, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and the interesting part is that I, I, I'm actually when it comes to politics, I'm kind of pragmatic more in this regard, because I do not think I see some people that take a super hard line stance on abortion and they say oh it's murder no matter what it's like okay well the problem is you're never going to convince everybody of this like i I truly do not believe you will convince everybody that can you know birth begins at conception um i just don't think that's a wonderful position but i do think you could probably get everybody to agree at like first trimester and that's it i think like second third and fourth trimester i I think you get everybody say like hey we could stop it at first I feel like, and it's a shit, I don't like compromising on that, but like politically, I think that's where you could get like the most people to say, okay, yeah, and, we'll, we'll all give right here. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, I mean, most people, I, most people I discuss this with, mm-hmm. which is very rare to be honest, <laughs> but people, people in my family um, and people, you know, on the purview outside of my family who every once in a while, this discussion comes up, mm-hmm. which I hate. Um, but They'll say like nobody's getting you know second and third trimester abortions, and I'm just like, okay, well, even if if they are, is that wrong? <laughs> like uh, then you have to really have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, it, we're not utilitarians here. We're not talking about what the numbers are or what the maximization of 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 enjoyment is here. We're talking about what is ethical. What is not? Mm-hmm. What is moral? What is not? Now, that brings up a whole other discussion that a lot of people just don't have any real beliefs on. Mm-hmm. And like I said, as somebody who who tries to avoid the issue as much as possible, whenever somebody just says, oh, this is just my body, uh, I'm a little skeptical of, of that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and say a little, I would say I'm about 85, 90% skeptical. <laughs> Um, and, a uh, little fun fact, uh, uh, not a lot of people know this in the libertarian sphere. I'm having a kid in June. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And, and we had a first ultrasound at nine weeks, 10 weeks. Anybody who says that the heartbeat is the sound of the machine is a fucking charlatan <laughs> is a liar. They are lying to you and they should be lined up. And you finish that Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because they're fucking liars. They're full of shit. They're politically convenient liars. And I saw my kids heartbeat and movement, legs, arms, everything very early. And what Stacey Abrams said about the heartbeat being the fucking machine noise and that they aren't fully formed. They're not fully formed, but they got arms and legs. pretty early and it was pretty earth shattering to me to see it earlier than most scheduled doctor's appointments because we went to one of those private medicine places to get an early ultrasound Mm -hmm. and uh yeah they're lying to you uh most most democratic politicians are lying to you about that issue Mm -hmm. and it's uh (laughs) it's pretty it's it's not only just 
incredibly disgusting. It's it's just there aren't words to describe how how bad that is um, because they're they're just putting up a facade of what the science is on the situation. Right. And um, Prax Ben, I don't know if anybody follows him on TikTok or Instagram. He did a very good, he did a very good video on this, where he pretty much broke apart everything that people on TikTok were saying after, mm -hmm. like replying to Stacey Abrams, being like, "Oh yes, Queen, you're so right." Slay. Um, he just, yeah, yes, Queen Slay. Like we love fucking dismembering fetuses, whatever. Um, but but he he broke it down very well using genuine genuine doctors. Uh, that that aren't exactly radicals and they're you know political radicals just saying that like yeah she lied um and i saw it firsthand that they lied also shout out private medicine uh 120 dollars or 70 i'm sorry 70 dollars for an ultrasound that's way earlier than any other ones that a doctor's office will perform pretty solid got pictures uh you get to you know choose all that stuff and the lady's very nice and Shout out private medicine because yeah. no insurance involved, a little bit of cash, less than a copay. It's good shit. Fucking I mean, right, dude. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Dice does a lot of good stuff on that. If anybody wants to check out how much sicker private medicine is than all these fucking bullshit hospitals and doctor's offices, yeah, <laughs> check out his stuff on it. Nice. I actually, uh, I never heard of that before. Um, we've been shooting the shit for a little bit, dude, but um, I, I, I've been asking people a lot lately, and not that I have a lack of hope, but um. I'm kind of curious what gives other people hope because there's a lot of reasons to not have it, but there's also a lot of reasons to have it. So, um, you know, in the political landscape and even beyond, uh, what kind of gives you hope going towards the future, man? What gives me hope is the fact that the people I despise don't want me to have hope. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> anybody that, doesn't believe what I believe or is a genuine advocate against what I believe wants me to despair. They want me to give up on this world. They want all of us to give up on any sort of reform or change or revolution, any sort of applicable term that you want. The fact that your enemies want you to feel that way is a reason to not feel that way. And the further that you chip away at their bullshit, at their garbage, at their lies, the more that they lose. Fuck them forever. Keep fighting. Beautiful. Nice. All right, dude. Uh, where can everybody find you? T underscore Shiring at uh, Twitter.com, my favorite website in the world. Um, <laughs> T Shiring on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I, I, I'm not anonymous, obviously. And... Um, if you want this hoodie, if you're watching the video, uh, Mises.org, use my friend Joe's affiliate link. Ask him for it on Twitter. He's a loudmouth on Twitter. He's always fighting with everybody, so ask him for his affiliate link. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, I'll make sure to uh, find him on Twitter. If I don't follow him, I'll make sure I follow him and then uh, put his link in the description. I already got your uh, Twitter and the Hoppian link below. And, uh, dude, I appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely do it again sometime. Yeah, man, as always I, always, I always have a great time talking to a fellow uh, Natrona Heights, New Kensington, Shredham, Yenzer <laughs> resident. Hell yeah, man. All right, right dude. at home. Yeah, dude. Until next time. All right, man.
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.